And uh, what a wonderful crowd. This is beautiful. And uh, thank God for each and every one of you being here today. How many here, you, this is your first time at Harvest Baptist Church. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up real high, would you? We won't embarrass you. I just want to see where you are. Quite a few. Let's give our guests a big hand. Can we do that? And turn me up here. Give me a little volume. And uh, God bless you. I'm very happy to be here, of course, with my wife, Joanne. And we've been together 30... Uh, 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 we've been together a lifetime, uh, 33 years, I think. It'll be 34 in July, and uh, we're just honored to be here. I love your pastor. I love his wife, um, the girls, all the grandkids, and uh, you've been blessed. And this is a beautiful place. Thank God for this church on the hill. If you're currently not part of a, a church, a member of a church, uh, have a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. You need a pastor. Don't give me this, well, I don't need a church. Yes, you do. You ought to get here, get in here week after week. Get your kids in Sunday school. Uh, kids need to hear the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. They need to hear that. And they need to hear that sweet song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You get that in church and be faithful. Uh, choir, Thank you for such a good job. Wasn't that good, church? Let's give the choir a big hand. Man. I was sitting down here, I felt like getting up singing with them. And uh, just enjoyed that. And then, uh, and then the special by that family. Thank you so much. And uh, what a blessing. The flowers, the beautiful dresses on the little girls, the patent leather shoes, all the beautiful beauty of Easter. And certainly we give God the glory and the honor. Christ is risen. Amen. Is risen indeed. And he is. We thank the Lord that on that third day up from the grave he arose. I want you to go in your Bibles please to two passages of scripture. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Sound men, I am hard of hearing. I don't hear it up here. As long as you hear it out there, I'll be alright. I, I try to measure that. Uh, but uh, I hope everybody hears well, and I will have you out of here on time. Now, I'm on California time. Uh, you know, the pastor said I'm more excited about preaching here uh, than I was last year to a crowd of three or more thousand. And I mean that. I love this place. I remember when uh, this church was in its infancy stage. I knew your pastor when he was young and good looking. And uh, both of us have aged. And, uh, uh, but uh, I, remember, I remember the years when this church was just getting its foothold here. And uh, back in, in the city of Torrington, little A-frame type building. And God has smiled on this ministry. And so it's an honor to be here. I want to read with you out of 1 Corinthians 15. I don't think I've ever done an Easter service without referencing this passage. The Bible says in verse 51, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this, this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... 
and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen right there, church. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Please go with me now to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 27. And for sake of time, allow me to read rapidly and you stay with me carefully as we read the entire chapter, the 28th of Matthew. Well, the Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. We'll reference the rest of that chapter in the message today. I want to speak to you a message that I've titled simply, What Does the Resurrection Prove? Ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute fact that Jesus Christ lived on this earth. History records it. The words of men, the words of historians, the words of politicians, the words of philosophers, and indeed the words of the Word of God record that Jesus lived on this earth. It is also an absolute irrefutable fact that Jesus was crucified. He died a Roman death. The Romans invented the crucifixion method. It was intended to keep the slaves of their dominance of a hundred million population, 40 million of which were slaves. It was intended to keep the slaves in subjection. It was a gruesome, it was a bloody, it was a torturous death intended to strike fear in the heart of their subjects. Jesus suffered such a death. Again, it was recorded by philosophers and historians and politicians and indeed writers of the scriptures. Jesus' death was recorded. His burial was indeed recorded. We'll see that this morning. Without a doubt, he was buried because that's what you do with dead people. Jesus truly died. He didn't swoon. He didn't pass out. He expiated his life and he died. They put him in a tomb and that is as well recorded, very well recorded. But let me hasten to say as well, his resurrection is an irrefutable fact of history. It also is recorded. By the way, I want to give you some reference to that. If you'd like to write down just a few pieces of information for your future study and reference, I would give you the name Simon Greenleaf. Simon Greenleaf died in 1853. And he was also one of the Harvard founders of the law school. He was one of the founders of Harvard Law School. He authored the authoritative three-volume text titled, A Treatise on the Law of Evidence, written in 1842. 
It is considered one of the greatest single authorities on evidence in the entire literature of legal procedure. Greenleaf literally wrote the rules of evidence for the United States legal system. He was certainly a man who knew how to weigh the facts. He was an atheist until he accepted a challenge by his students to investigate the cause of Christ's resurrection. After personally collecting and examining the evidence based on rules of evidence that he helped establish, Greenleaf himself became a Christian and he wrote the classic titled Testimony of the Evangelist. Listen what he said, what he wrote. Quote, Let the gospel's testimony be sifted as it were given in a court of justice on the side of the adverse party, the witness being subjected to a rigorous cross-examination. The result, it is confident believed, will be an undoubting conviction of their integrity, ability, and their truth. Greenleaf affirmed the relevance of the testimony of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as it related to the resurrection. Another name to write down for your information is Sir Lionel Luckhu. His name, Luckhu. Luckhu. What a name. Amen. He lived from 1914 to 1997, and he is considered one of the greatest lawyers in British history. He is recorded in the Genesis Book of World Records as holding the world's most, as being the world's most successful advocate. He, with 245 consecutive murder acquittals, is knighted by the Queen twice as Lord Lucku. He declared as well, quote, I humbly add, I have spent more than 42 years as a defense trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and am still active in practice today. I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials, and I say unequivocally, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Lord Luck, who said, another name to remember, Lee Strobel, a Yale-educated, award-winning journalist at the Chicago Tribune. I've given you two noted lawyers but I give you now a third to consider, and this would be a journalist, educated at Yale, but a journalist nonetheless. He would be part of today's fake news journalists. But this man accounted as an educated and reliable journalist set out to prove the case of Jesus Christ's resurrection as a fraud. With everything in his arsenal, as legal editor of the Tribune, Stobel's area of expertise was courtroom analysis. To make his case against Christ, Stobel cross-examined a number of Christian authorities, recognized experts in their own fields of study, including PhDs from such prestigious academic centers as Cambridge, Princeton, and Brandeis University. He conducted his examination with no religious bias other than his predisposition toward atheism. Remarkably, 
after compiling and critically examining the evidence for himself, the atheist Strobel himself became a Christian. Stunned by his findings, he organized the evidence into a book entitled The Case for Christ. And it won a gold medallion book award for excellence. Another and final example of the secular affirming the resurrection, we have attorney Francis Lamb, L-A-M-B, of Madison, Wisconsin, who also convinced the resurrection was easy to refute. He subjected the New Testament evidence to jural tests. After 284 pages of testimony and investigation, he affirmed, quote, tested by the standards and ordeals of jural science, by which questions of facts are ascertained and demonstrated in contested questions of right between man and man in courts of justice, the resurrection of Jesus Christ stands as a demonstrated fact. Ladies and gentlemen, thank the Lord for the evidence that I gave you today from legal lawyer and intelligent minds, but I am here to tell you that Christ is risen from the dead because His Word says so. Thank God today. I submit to you three things to consider. First of all, may I say to you, according to the text that we read in verse number 6, the resurrection proves to us the Word of Christ is reliable. Look at verse 6. He is not here, for He is risen as He said. As He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said of Himself that He would be crucified by the hands of men. That He would hang on an old rugged cross. That He would bleed and suffer on our behalf and that he would raise from the dead. Folks, he said it of himself. He said, I will be crucified, I will die, and I will be risen from the dead. Please, if you would, shoot over to Matthew 16 and verse 21 as a reference of this. This would be the first time in Jesus' teaching and preaching where he would say of himself that he would be crucified. He said in verse 21 in Matthew 16, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He said it of himself. Ladies and gentlemen, in this environment of teaching and preaching, he said it again and again, I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried and I will raise from the dead. Oh, listen to me. He proved his own word. He proved his own word in his actions. He said it of himself. Listen, if you took all the recorded words of Jesus, the red letters of the Bible, and put them into a pamphlet, it would be a very small pamphlet. But hear me, they are words of life. You listen to me. The words of the Pope do not fall level with Jesus' words. The words of a great philosopher like Socrates or Cicero or the great thinkers of the past, those words fall way short of the eternal words, the life-giving words of the Son of God. His words, wonderful words. Sing them over again to me. 
wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Words of life and duty. Beautiful words. Wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. And he says to you, wonderful words. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You listen to me. If you're a sinner here today and you know you are, you can pretend all day long, but you live in that flesh and you look at your mug in that mirror every day and you know you are a sinner. You know you haven't done your best. You know you've fallen short of God's expectation. And God says to you, wonderful words. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, aren't you glad for the reliable words of Jesus? He offers you hope and help and forgiveness. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned, but he that believeth not, hear me, is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You will be judged and I will be judged with what we did with Jesus Christ. Oh, hear me, heaven and hell are determined by Christ. And you accept Jesus, God accepts you. Can I say that one more time? You accept Jesus, God will accept you. If you reject Jesus, God will reject you. You say, are you trying to tell me, preacher, that there's a real hell? There is a real hell. As sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. As much as God loves, he hates. As much as God judges, he forgives. And it all comes through the way of the cross. If you ever expect to walk into heaven, and I hope, listen, I hope you do get to heaven. But if you ever hope to get to heaven, it's only by way of the cross of Christ. You must be born again. Oh, hear me this morning. I care not of your religious background. I am a preacher's kid, but my father was a drunkard as well. And I grew up in a Christian home and I've seen the both sides of life. But I want to tell you, if you ever enter heaven, you must come through Christ. And whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, wouldn't it be something if on Easter Sunday you came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Look at me. I know what I am. You can put on a, you know, it's like an old hog. You can put a bow ribbon in a hog and slap Chanel number five on that thing. It's still a hog. It's just a pretty smelling hog, amen? But you give that hog a chance, it's going right back to the swine pit it came from. Listen to me, we are sinners. We're born sinners. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by deed. And the only way to get saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He loves you that much. You say, will he say, will he save someone who's a homosexual? Yes, sir. Will he save someone who's committed adultery? Yes, sir. Will he save a religious bigot? Yes, sir. Will he, he'll save anybody that'll come by way of the cross. See, why are you yelling at us about this? Because the world's yelling at you about all kinds of deceit. And Satan's got you this long. However long you have lived, Satan's kept you deaf to the truth. It's time you hear the truth. 
And it's time you come home by way of Calvary. He suffered on that cross like no man had ever suffered. You see, preacher, I've heard people say that. Pastor Shot, I've heard people say there's others suffered worse, burned alive and flayed alive. Yeah, there's, okay. But there's a suffering Jesus endured no man ever suffered. He took the sins of the whole world, wait a minute, into himself who was sinless. He never sinned. On the way back to Boston, we're going to swing that way today. I'll be preaching up in Medford tonight. And on the way, I'm going to stop by Nathan Hale's birthplace. I regret that I had but one life to give for my country. Nathan Hale died for his country. Thank God for great American patriots. But he didn't die for my sins. But Jesus did. Could you look at me and listen to me? You've got to do something with your sins. And you can go to a priest. You can go to a preacher and confess your sins all day long. He can't do a thing for you because he's a sinner too. Only Jesus can wash away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. His word is reliable. In Pennsylvania, I've got to close in Pennsylvania in 1829, George Wilson was convicted of mail robbery and murder. He was sentenced to death. He was later pardoned by President Andrew Jackson. Wilson, however, refused the pardon. Confusion reigned among those concerned about the case and nothing like that had ever happened before. What were they going to do with a man who was given pardon but he refused it? He said, no, I'll not accept the pardon. Finally, the great chief justice of the Supreme Court, John Marshall, had to make a ruling. He said, let me read you what he wrote in 1829. Quote, a pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the parties implicated. It is hardly to be supposed that one under the sentence of death would refuse to accept a pardon. But if it is refused, it is no pardon, period, George Wilson must be hanged. A few weeks went by. Wilson walked 13 steps up to the gallows. A black hood was placed over his head and a rope about his neck. Like a lightning bolt, his body fell six to eight feet. His head jerked, his neck, his neck snapped. A few convulsive moments ensued and all was quiet because Wilson was dead. Why'd he die? Did he have to die? Oh no. He died because he refused the pardon. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift by definition is simply this, freely given and freely received. If you never accept it, it's never yours. Won't you give God a chance to save you Give God a chance to forgive you of your sins and give you a brand new start in Jesus Christ. His word is reliable. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you bow with me please in prayer? He said it of himself.
I will be raised from the dead. But you know, I like what it says in that text. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, I want your attention, please. Nobody leave the room, please. I want you to stay right here. This is the most important part of the entire service. One night, little Eddie was dreaming. He had a dream about heaven. And in the dream, he stood in a great crowd outside the gates of heaven. Near him stood his father, his mother, and his two little sisters. An angel was calling their names from the Lamb's book of life. Presently, the angel called, William Webster Neighbor. Little Eddie's father answered, That's me! Here I am! And he started through the gate. Little Eddie took his father's hand and said, Oh, Father, let me go with you. And father answered said, No, Eddie boy, you must wait until your name is called. You cannot go into heaven on my name. And soon Julia Marie neighbor was called. Little Eddie's mother answered and said clearly, Here I am. And little Eddie cried again, Oh, Mother, please let me go in with you. No, little Eddie you cannot go in with your mother. You must hear your own name called. Then his sister's names were called one by one, and on they went inside heaven. And how sad and how anxious little Eddie was becoming until he heard it. Robert Edward Neighbor. And with a glad shout, he said, Here I am! Here I am! And on into heaven he went. I know that's just a story, but with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if God called you today in death, you breathed your last breath, hear me, you're going to wake up either in heaven or in hell. Just as sure as there's heaven, there's a hell. The Bible says that God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it would be a shame for you to go to hell. You see, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I remember when it happened. I can recall the place and the time when I asked Jesus into my heart. I know, I know that I'm saved. Can you raise your hand as a testimony to that truth? God bless you. Hold it up for just a second. Around the room, I'm looking. God bless you. Hundreds of hands. You can lower your hands. Dozens and dozens of hands. Thank you so much. Our heads are still bowed, not to embarrass or call out just like I didn't call anybody out there. I would like to pray for you if you couldn't raise your hand. But you would now and you'd say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I need Christ. Would you pray for me? May I pray for you? Put it up and right back down. Just real quick. Let me see it. God bless you. Who else? Who else? I'm looking. Would you raise it? There's a hand. Yes, ma'am. Who else? Preacher, I don't know. God bless you, sir. Someone else. Someone else. Let me see it. Up and right back down. I'll not call you out. I just want to pray for you. God sees you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Put it up and right back down. I'm watching. God's tugging at your heart. That's God helping you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Who else? Who else? Put it up and right back down. Anyone else? I'm waiting. One more try. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I'm a preacher, and I want to pray for you. Here's my hand. Include me, preacher. I need Jesus. 
I've never been saved. Is there another? Sir? Young boy? Mama? Are you saved? No, I'm not. Here's my hand. I'm not. Here's my hand. Someone else. Maybe you're a Christian. You're backslidden. You're not living like you ought to. And Easter's the time you came to church. We're thrilled you're here. But when you walked in this place, just the environment, just the smell of the building, just the spirit of the place reminded you, you've left where you used to be. Preacher, God's knocking on my heart. Pray for me. I need prayer. I'm a Christian and I feel like I've gone back on God some and I need prayer. I bless you. Yes, and you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, I see him. I see him. Hands everywhere. Today's the day. Let's come to this altar and say, Jesus, I want to get things straight with you. I want to get back with you, Lord. The door's open. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's looking at you. But God in love looks to you. Maybe you're saved. You need to be baptized. Just like that precious lady today. I need baptism, preacher. Here's my hand. Let me see it. I need to get baptized. I need to do that. Man, that's something I need to do. Who else? Who? Anybody else? I need to be baptized. Maybe to join this church. Easter's a good Sunday to join the church. I call you. Come on. Pastor's here. Let's stand together. No one leaving, please. Turn the pulpit mic on. No one leaving. Let's stand, please. I'm going to pray. When I'm finished praying, I invite you to come to the altar today. Bring your need to the altar. If you need to be saved, pastor is right here. We want to help you get saved today. Would you bow with me in prayer? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, you saw the hands that were raised. I'm thinking of, I think, six hands that were raised of people that need to be saved. Lord, these people are going to leave this place. They cannot boast of another day because tomorrow may not come. I pray today is the day of salvation. And others that need to come and pray to get right with God, get close to God, to walk with Him and talk with Him again. May this altar be open for them. In Jesus' name, amen. She's playing. Would you come start?